<laughs> How many know he's alive? Yeah. Amen. Why don't you grab your Bibles? I'm ready to go. How about you? Stand with me and put your Bibles in the air as we get ready to go straight into the Word of God. Anybody excited about the fact that he's alive tonight? If you are, let me hear you shout yes. yes. Oh, that was weak. <laughs> Listen, man, I swam over here to get here tonight. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, I didn't come here to play no games. After all that we went through to get here, we might as well enjoy ourselves. Amen? Yes. I said, if you love God and know he's alive, let me hear you say yes. yes. All right. This is what we do. If you're here for the first time, just repeat after me. Thy word, Thy word. is a lamp. Unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The word of God is my textbook. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you tonight in advance for what you are going to say. And uh, we first need to confess that we're used to we're used to wanting it our own way. And I'm just asking you tonight that whatever our own way is, that you will help us to surrender that thing to you so that you can be God in our lives. God, we cannot share you. We cannot put you in a box and leave you there until we need you. But God, we, we, we declare tonight we need you every minute and every second. And so right now, I confess to you my helplessness. I am not worthy nor capable of doing this thing tonight. You got to do this, God. We've heard it a thousand times. We've been in many services. You got to break beyond our stuff and get to our heart. So we give you permission. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said amen. amen. And amen. You may be seated. God is good. Amen. Oh, yeah. You can do better than that. God is good. Yes. And all the time, God is good. We thank you for being here tonight. For those of you here for the first time, we've been going nine, se nine sessions, if you please, nine rounds, wherever you want to call it. Uh, the fight of our life is just sort of a vision that the Lord gave us where we were going to take an extended period of time to really teach uh, whoever was willing to listen about what's really about to happen, what's really going on in your life. Somebody uh, know that we are all in a fight. Anybody realize that now that at some level, all of us are fighting something. And one of the tricks of the enemy is to kind of just to get us in a state of apathy, which means like being asleep, where it just you just kind of going through the motions and you're not there's really no fire about God. And so the whole purpose of this is really to prick your thinking to realize that the fight that we're fighting is really not one that you can see. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Isn't that an amazing thought that even though we're sitting here right now, there are invisible realities that are going on that are actually more significant than us sitting here right now? I mean, you, I can see, I mean, my hands, I see you, but do you realize that there are unseen, the Bible says, agencies, both good and evil, that are either working for us or working against us? How many need some help for somebody to work for you tonight? Come on, say amen. Amen. Let's review just a little bit. The First Timothy uh, chapter 6 uh, tells us that this fight... And, and, I, and I like to break it down as simple as possible. The fight that we're talking about, I don't want anybody to be unsure. It's a fight of your what? Faith. It's a fight of your faith. But you better believe it. Every second of the day, there is, there is a, a, an attack, an onslaught of the enemy who we have already defined as him being Satan. 
It's really just trying to get you to have a lack of faith in God in every scenario, every situation and circumstance. Without saying amen, if you just know what I'm talking about, put your hand up and put it back down. Do you know what I'm talking about? Constantly, your thoughts, your mind, your heart, you're always being assailed with reasons to doubt God. But I want you to know we should, we should trust God regardless if we can see him or feel him. But the Bible says, and I like how the Bible puts it, the Bible says that, 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 that faith is not based on sight, but based is hearing the word of God. So in other words, we don't really got to see God do anything. And I've been around just a little while, long enough to tell you that God is good to the extent that I, there are situations where I've personally been in where I saw no, no God in my eyesight, in my natural self. But and I felt like I was in a corner. You ever felt like that? I felt like I was getting jabbed left and right by the enemy. It seemed like all hell had, 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 had broke out in my life. And then God would always find a way to turn some of the worst situations around for my good. And so I'm telling you tonight, it's a fight for your faith. Somebody say it's a fight for my faith. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, last the last eight messages were really focused on trying to expose to you this diabolical plot, if you please, this conspiracy by Satan to get you to have no faith in God, particularly in what God says and specifically in God's law. Did we not talk about that? We, we discovered that God's law is all about what? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's all about love. And, and we also discovered that, that the love of God will lead us back to God. And, and we realized that the law of God is meant for our benefit, just like the laws of, 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 of traffic. Uh, the laws of speeding are all given to keep us from killing ourselves. Come on, say amen. And that's the same thing with God. God has put laws in his word to help us to live life and live life more abundantly. But tonight, I want to shift gears just a little bit. Are you ready for this? The next three nights, we talked a whole lot about what the devil is trying to do. Now, I want to talk to you about what God is trying to do. Uh, look at your neighbor and tell them it's all about God now. It's all about God. It's all about God. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I had to explain to you, I had to explain to you in detail, really, I mean, look, if you don't know who your enemy is, like, how are you going to fight him? You know, one of the things I, I understand about people in boxing and, and, and various, even football or, or others, uh, other kinds of competitions, is one of the things that you'll, you'll discover is that people spend a whole lot of money studying the people that they're competing against. Yeah, 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 yeah. And one of the things I suggest to you is there's no way you're going to be able to deal with Satan if you don't know how he's going to come at you. And a lot of us are being deceived. I'm going to talk about that over the next three nights. A lot of us are being deceived by his tactics because we don't even see him coming. We don't even see him coming. So by the grace of God, you'll see how he's going to work. Now, check out, check out what God does. God has seven salvation punches to Satan's kingdom. How many, how many does God have, everybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. Christ has seven. Seven. What number did I say, everybody? Seven salvation punches to Satan's kingdom. Let's first start with the already. In other words, these are things that he has already done. Let's go. Number one, the first thing that Christ did to straight up punch Satan in the mouth was coming down here as a baby. Do you realize Satan did not see that coming? 
I mean, he, I mean, in God's mind, he said, you know what? I got a solution to save everybody. I got a solution to stop the devil. You know, what his solution was become a baby. Wow. Totally caught off guard by that. But that was his first move that he came down here with us. How many are glad that he came down here with us? The second thing that he did is he died for our sins. The crucifixion is the it really it is the it is the centerpiece of God's knockout punch to the devil. The devil really thought by killing Jesus that he had him. But he didn't realize that by Jesus dying, we actually got saved. Come on, say amen. Yes, yes, Jesus is a strategist. And then, and then we learn that the third thing he did was the resurrection. In other words, when Christ was buried in a grave, Satan exalted in himself and said, man, I got him now. But how many know, just like the video, he's alive now. Come on, say he's alive. Come on, talk to me tonight. Come on, somebody say he's alive. He is alive, yes. And he, and he rose with all power in his hand. And he defeated Satan. The fourth thing that he did is he then, after he rose from the dead, he then ascended and went back to heaven with his father to the headquarters of the universe to now give out orders and control to the Holy Spirit to give us power. So check this out now. If Jesus would have stayed down here, we all wouldn't be able to have him in our hearts. But because Jesus went up there, that makes Jesus even more powerful now because he's not just one person, a Jew, located in a place in Palestine. But now, because of the Holy Spirit, Jesus can live in everybody's hearts. Come on, say amen. He punched Satan in his mouth. Number five, and before we get there, we're just going to show you a text that emphasizes this. Philippians 2, the Bible says, help me now, who being in the very nature, what? Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Now watch what Jesus did. This is just an explanation of the four things he did. Rather, what did he do? He made himself nothing, the Bible says, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself. In other words, he became a baby by becoming obedient to death, even death on the Therefore, and I love this, you think, man, I killed him, I got him, but in the, very, in the very reversal of it all, his death was a victory. Come on, say amen. Therefore, God did what? Exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name, come on somebody, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Let's put our hands together and give God some praise in here tonight. Come on. Ah, oh, come on. You can do better than that. Yeah, God is awesome. He took the very thing that Satan tried to use for your destruction and he used it for your blessing. Come on, say amen. Now, I want to show you that's what God did. That's what he already did. That's in the past. But it still works for us now. Amen. Now I want to show you the not yet. There are still three more moves. Come on in here, somebody. There are three more jabs that Jesus is going to put to the face of the enemy and sin that's going totally end the game. Are you ready for this now? These are three moves, and you need to know about this, particularly because you need to participate in what's about to happen. The, the, the next thing that's going to happen is the second coming of Jesus Christ. 
You know, it's kind of hard to believe. You know, you, you read about it in the Bible and we're going to talk about it tonight. But there actually, according to scripture, is going to be a second coming of Jesus. In other words, he came first as a baby and this time he's going to come back as king of kings and lord of lords. We need to be ready for that. Amen. And then after that, there's going to be the total destruction of sin and Satan. I can't wait till Thursday night. I'm going to preach one of my favorite sermons of all time from Revelation 20. I love to preach on how Satan is going to go to hell. Come on, say amen. Sin and Satan are going to be dealt with. And that's his next move after he comes. And then number seven, then God is going to relocate his headquarters where he lives. And he's going to bring it down here to planet Earth. I'm going to show you that from the word of God. He's got three more moves. How many more moves does he have, everybody? He's got three more moves. Tonight, I want to talk about be ready. Somebody say be ready. Be ready. I say get ready. I said be ready. I said be ready. I remember when I was a kid growing up, my mom uh, and dad had a gold Volvo 740 D, uh, uh, DL diesel. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It was a gold. It was a diesel. But in those days, the diesels weren't cool like they are now where you couldn't hear them. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? You used to hear them bad boys and they used to smoke everywhere. And so, you know, my mom had this thing where on Fridays we had to get the house clean and get it ready for the Sabbath and so forth and so on. And most of the time when she told us to do our various chores, we would wait to the last minute. Come on and hear somebody. I, I mean, even to this day, I know how to clean the house in five minutes. <laughs> Now, there'll be stuff in the closet. Come on, say amen. There'll be stuff on the couches. Come on, say amen. Uh, but it'll look clean. Come on in here, somebody. I, I learned how to do that because we just procrastinated. And, and I remember we would hear, literally, we would hear her car come down the street. And when we would hear the car come down the street, I'm, I lie to you not, we would get to trying to straighten up the house so that by the time she got in, things would look clean. Come on, say amen. We weren't ready. We were trying to get ready. And most of the time, we were unready for her arrival. I think that's kind of like what's happening in our day and age right now. We have a lot of people trying to get ready for God, trying to, trying to get themselves together. But do you realize God never told you to get ready? God said, be ready. Amen? Watch this now. Out of, now, now, help me out tonight, everybody. One out of every 25 verses of Scripture. Now, here it is. This is a big deal. When we talk about the second coming of Christ, we are talking about the most important event since, since Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected. There is nothing else. Not you getting married. Not you, not, 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 not you having kids. Not you getting your dream job. There is nothing else more important that's going to happen on the planet than the event, the second coming of Jesus. And this thing is so important. That one out of every 25 verses of scripture in the Bible is a reference to the second coming of Christ. How many know that thing is important? Notice what 2 Peter 3 says. Help me read this. The Bible says, above all, you must what? Understand that, come on now, in the last days, scoffers will what? A scoffer is somebody who's basically saying it ain't going to happen. Scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? Right? Come on, we've been here all our lives. Jesus is coming. Where is he? Where is the promise? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of what? But they deliberately, watch this now, forget that long ago by God's what? By his word. And that's why you can't trust what you see. You got to trust what he said. The heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Verse 6. 
By these waters also the world that 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 time, uh, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Talking about the flood. Verse seven. By the same word. Notice now it's by the word. By what everybody? Ah, yes, I feel this thing now. By what everybody? The word. It says the, 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 the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire. Being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Verse 8. But do not forget this one thing. Dear friends. Come on now. You got to listen to this now. With the, de- with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. Can we explain? He's going to do it in verse 9. The Lord is not slow keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. Instead, he is with not warning anyone to, but everyone to come to repentance. So understand very quickly. Basically, Peter is saying, yo, check this out. Everything that has ever happened in the earth happened because he said it. Stay here. Everything that has ever happened on the planet happened because he said it. And what he's saying is, is if he said that there's going to be a creation and it happened, and he said that there would have been a flood and it happened, if he said that he's coming again, it's going to happen. It doesn't have to look like it's going to happen. If he said it, somebody say he said it. If he said it, it's going to happen. And then he goes so far as to say, check this out. If God says I'm coming soon and it doesn't look like or feel like soon, uh, for example, we've been here for uh, what, 6,000 years on this planet. Notice what he's saying. He's saying to God, 6,000 years is like six days. He says he's not confined by time. Let me break this down. You know why God has not come back yet? Because the Bible says he's long suffering. He's patient trying to give us a chance not to get ready, but to be ready. Amen. Luke 21, the Bible goes on. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror. This is going to happen. Apprehensive of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. We're not supposed to be afraid of the last days. Uh, get your head out of these, uh, these tabloid pages that you see when you're in the grocery store line. And they talk about Nostradamus and they talk about the world's going to end in 2012. It will not end in 2012. But understand this. That God did say it's going to come to an end, but he says, don't be afraid about that thing. He said, lift up your head, stand up, be confident because your redemption is drawing near. And notice what the Bible gives us a warning. It says, be careful or your hearts, be careful or your, be careful, be careful. These are the words of Christ. If Jesus tells you to be careful, you better wake up, be careful or your hearts will become weighed down with carousing, partying, caught up in everything else except God drunkenness and and watch this even the anxiety anxieties of life in other words there are some people who are going to miss out on the coming of christ simply because they're too busy and that the day will close on you close on you suddenly like a trap did you hear that it's almost like we are going to be trapped if we are not ready it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole what everybody? 
the face of the whole earth. Now, the question is, is why, what, why, uh, why, what, 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 what's the, what's the whole purpose behind Jesus coming back? Some may think that's an obvious question. What's the purpose of the second coming? Here we go. John 14, one through three. The Bible says, read with me, everybody. Let not your heart be what you believe in, believe also in, in my father's house are many what? If it were not so, I would have. I go to prepare a place for you. I love those words. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Can I just break this down very simple for you? You know why he's coming back? Because he wants to be with you. The sad thing about it is as badly as he wants to be with us, there are many of us that don't really want to be with him. Come on now. If, if you're looking forward to somebody coming then you get ready for their arrival. You think about them night and day. Um, and there have been times I've been separated from my wife because I was at school. And I remember the first time I went for my doctoral program, I had to be gone for a month. And that was early in my marriage. And I was like, man, this, I ain't used to this. And I, I can't, can, I, can I tell you that I was ready to go back home and see my family? Come on, say amen. And I was thinking about them. I was ready to go home. And when I got home, they were ready to see me. And this is really the relational aspect that we must consider when we talk about Jesus. We ought not be afraid of somebody that we love. We ought to be excited about him coming because when he comes, he's going to take us back to live with him. The problem is, though, is that we are so caught up in the world and what the world has to offer that the idea of Jesus coming back is not appealing to us. Revelation 21 also tells us what, what he's up to. Then I, who? John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be what? Listen, he just wants to be with us. And the Bible says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So let's, just, let's get this clear. Why a second coming? Why is he coming back? He wants to be with us. Now I'm going to ask you. Let's do a quick quiz. Why is Jesus coming back? Uh, make it personal. Why is Jesus coming back? Come on. Why is Jesus coming back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming back. He's in love with you. He created you to be in relation. He didn't want there to be separation, him living up there and you living down here. He wants to bridge the gap. Now, there are signs of his coming. Now, you better buckle your seatbelts now. If you weren't listening before, you better get in gear now. Help us, Lord. There are, there are signs of his coming. See, God is so awesome that he's not going to just show up and surprise us. He's going to give us signs along the way to help us. For example, you see that sign there? What does it say? It says what? Dangerous curve ahead. Uh, if you see that sign, does that mean that you've already passed the dangerous curve? No, it simply means that as you are traveling, prepare yourself. Oh, come on in here, somebody. Because there is a curve coming. And God does the same thing with signs in the world. He gives us signs and, and guideposts to let us know that I am coming. Oh, thank God for that. He is not willing that any should perish. So he said, I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to make sure that they are ready. Matthew 24 and 3, the Bible says, 
the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, watch this now, this is going to be so clear. If any of us miss the coming of Jesus, and what I mean by that is are not ready, after this sermon, you have no excuse. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? In other words, when, 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 you, when you come to that? And notice what Jesus says. And, and what will be the sign of your coming? They're saying, come on, tell us. And, and, and of the end of the age, give us some tips on what we need to know to be ready. And verse 7, Jesus replied and said, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And the Bible says, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. Where? In various places. So, so let's backtrack a little bit. He says that there are going to be wars and nations rising. Do you guys remember this? Can I tell you something? This is, this is, not, this is not simply the work of Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, all that stuff you hear on the news. Can I tell you what this is the work of? This is the work of God allowing this stuff to happen so that we can be ready. When you see this, know that he's coming soon. I remember right after 9-11, I say this all the time, people were so into God. People were so scared they were into God. But how many know fear ain't going to last? If you're scared today, I mean, I, I mean, I've had friends of mine, and we were just talking the other day, who have been through extenuating circumstances with near-death experiences. And you're saying to yourself, oh, man, after that, oh, they're going to they turn their life around. I'm going to tell you right now, you, to, you can get in a car accident tomorrow. They ain't going to change your mind. You can have something bad happen. I was in the club and somebody was shooting bullets and it missed me. And now I ain't going back there no more. I'm going to get my life. Some of us have had things happen in our lives that get our attention. But understand, fear will keep nobody connected to God. You cannot serve God out of fear because fear goes away. Come on. What, what more do we need to see? Are we not living in a world that is at war? The Bible says when you see nations against nations, be ready. Nuclear threats every five minutes, child soldiers who are being forced against their will. Anybody see the Coney video? Yeah, you're hearing about all these things. These are signs of the times. First Thessalonians 5, 3 says, for when they say, now watch this now, amazing, amazing. When they say peace and safety, and everybody's talking about peace, we're going to have peace in the earth. The Bible says, but when they start talking about peace, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Can I tell you something tonight? There will never, listen, there will never be peace on this earth. It's impossible. Too many sinners here. Come on, say amen. Too many crazy folk here. The Bible also says there will be famines in the land. Come on, say amen, somebody. When we've been seeing this stuff for years, Matthew 24, 7 says there will be famines. Man, that's clear. Come on, say Amen. And then we discover that at least in 38 countries, there are food shortages. I mean, we're in the United States, even folk on welfare. Then you ain't nobody in the United States really in poverty. You can go to a dumpster by a restaurant in the United States and be fed better than people in some countries that, that fall in that 1040 window. We're blessed. Come on in here, somebody. But, but, but can, I can I tell you something? 
The Bible says that the days are coming. This is what the scripture says, where men will throw money into the streets. I'm not a prognosticator. I'm not a speculator of the financial system. But I'm telling you this now, according to the word of God, I don't know when it's going to happen. But the financial state of our world is going to be worse than what we're seeing now. We're tripping about gas being four dollars. Pestilences. Isn't that what the word of God said? So pestilences, you know what pestilence is? Disease. Luke 21, 25. Help me read that. Upon the earth, what? Distress of what? With what? With perplexity. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. The Bible is very clear. People are getting sick left and right. Isn't it amazing? I mean, it's like cancer seems to be everywhere now. Doesn't it seem like cancer is everywhere now? It used to be a time that you, uh, you only associated cancer with smokers. Right? Right? And, but now, it seems like everybody is turning up with cancer. This is a sign of the time. And what about AIDS? It used to be that we only associated AIDS, brothers and sisters, with, 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 with homosexuals or, or deviant lifestyles. But we're realizing now that there are, the World, World Health Organization predicts, 40 million cases of HIV by this time. This is an AIDS victim. And we are seeing this over and over again, but we're still not going to wake up. All right. The Bible says there'll be unrest of nature moving quickly. Luke 21, 25 says, and there will be signs in the what, everybody? In the sun and in the moon. Now, Jesus said this, uh, what, uh, over 2,000 years ago. He says, in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Tsunami. Y'all remember that tsunami? Amazingly, do you realize that over, was it 200 and 50,000 people died in that tsunami. Let me break that down to you. They say that in the city of, in, in, in the city of Cleveland, there are, five, are 500,000 residents. In Cleveland proper, the metropolitan area, area there are probably about 2.5 to 3 million. Check this out. Can you imagine if half of the people that live in the city of Cleveland just die within a matter of, of minutes? That happened with a tsunami, but it ain't in the United States, so it didn't really affect us. But I'm telling you, it will happen. This is the word of God, but we did see Katrina. Come on, say amen. I mean, a whole city underwater. Anybody have any family members or, or loved ones you know that were involved in this? And, and to see in the United States dead bodies floating down cities in the United States. We're not going to talk about the response. Come on, say amen. If that would have happened in Beverly Hills, how many know? It wouldn't be no dead bodies floating down those streets. Moral conditions at the end of time. The Bible says that people are going to get worse. Notice what 2 Timothy 3, 2 says. Help me read this, y'all. People will be lovers of themselves. Amen. We could close the book on that right there. Come on, say amen. Lovers of what? Lord, uh, um, can I say uh, Madoff? His name, he made off with a lot of money. Come on, say amen, somebody. Huh? Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. These are signs without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, but they are treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The Bible is saying that you know that when you begin to see the moral conditions of society breaking down, wake up! And then they said, watch church folk, too. 
because church folk that have just the form of godliness and no power, you said that's a sign that I'm coming. Lord have mercy. People that get more excited about sports and get more excited about television programs than they do about the word of God. That's a sign that the Lord has got to come. Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.13, evil men and imposters, now watch this now, will go from bad. They're already bad. Now they're going to go to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Another sign. This is the good news. The gospel is going to go to the whole world. Come on, say amen. Isn't that good news? Out of all the hell and drama that's happening in our world, God says that there will be some good sign that will come out of it. And that in spite of all that's going on in the world, that somebody's going to get it. Bible says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Then lastly, the Bible says there's going to be false prophets. Now, check this out. Now, uh, now, 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 work with me, saints. You got to hear this. The Bible says, take heed. Jesus is saying this as a sign. He's saying this is a sign of my coming. Take heed that no one deceives you. All right. For many will come in my what? Saying I am the and will deceive many. We're going to talk about that. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. deceive. Now, we ain't going to focus on that, but this is what I want to focus on. That if possible, even the elect. Now, watch this now. The deceptions in the last days are going to be so disguised. That even if possible, people that are the most connected people with God. Now, can we go back just a little bit? I've often wondered how it is that the people who knew the Bible the most, the Pharisees, did not recognize Jesus when he came the first time, but actually killed him. Now, can I, t- can I talk to you for a minute? Now, you don't know the Bible nowhere near as good as a Pharisee. Nor do many of us have the interest Nor do we have the time. Our lives are too busy. These men knew scripture verbatim. They could correct themselves when they made a mistake verbatim. They didn't have to open up the Bible and say what chapter. They would quote the scriptures. But when Jesus came, they killed him. They killed the Lord of glory, even though they knew it all. Oh, Lord, help me tonight. Knowledge will not will not keep you from deception. It's not knowing what's the information, but it's knowing the person. You have got to know God in a loving relationship where you surrender your whole life to him. 2 Corinthians says, for such are false apostles. Deceitful work. Now, now Satan, do not play with this guy. Check this out. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, now watch this, for Satan himself, who did I say everybody? Transforms himself into an angel of light. He is so bent on deceiving us, he is going to go so far as to Satan to present himself as a viable, good option. Have mercy. How will it be? How will it be? How many have heard about Left Behind? Anybody heard the series? There's, listen, I'm going to just say this now. I, I don't have time to be tactful. It's a lie. 
The Left Behind series is false doctrine. It's not biblical, it's entertaining, but it's a lie. The whole theory is, is that there's going to be a secret rapture. That we're going to be sitting on the RTA bus, on our way downtown, going to a Browns game. And while we're going downtown, all of a sudden, people we were sitting next to, the only thing left there is their clothes, because they disappeared and were secretly raptured and taken to heaven. So basically what they're saying is this, and this is why I'm telling you deception, you've got to know the word of God and you've got to know the God of the word. So there are three points that they make. Number one, that Jesus will come twice at the end of time. So he's going to come secretly and take all the good people. And then they say seven years of tribulation and that will give us a chance to get ourselves together. The Antichrist will come up. And then after those seven years, he's going to come back again and set up his kingdom on earth. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that I count three times there. That means Jesus will have come three times. And the Bible doesn't talk about him coming three times. Come on in here, somebody. It's not going to be a secret, according to the scriptures. And we will not have a second chance. Understand, once Jesus comes, there will be no second chances. It's over. <laughs> like my buddy says, what do you get when you take the L off of lover? It's over. Come on, say amen, somebody. It's over. Look, there will be no second chances. There will not be a seven-year time for us to get it together. When he comes back, it's going to be done, finished, over. What does the Bible say? How will he come? Number one, it's going to be an invisible event. Come on, somebody. We're going to be able to see this thing. Notice what the Bible says. Matthew 24, 27 says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Behold, Revelation 1, 7 says, He comes with clouds. And what? If every eye is going to see him, it can't be a secret. Every eye will what everybody will see him. Acts 1 9 says now when he had spoken these things while they watched he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. The Bible says and while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he, he as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel and, and who also said men of Galilee why do you stand gazing into heaven. And notice what happens here. This same Jesus, the angel said to him, Jesus was taken up into heaven after the resurrection, right before their eyes. And then the Bible says, the angel says, check this out. He says, the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, if you saw him go up, everybody's going to see him come down. Somebody shout every eye. Somebody shout every eye. Luke 21, 27 says, then they will see the coming, the son, of the, the son of man coming in a cloud with power and with great glory. The next thing we learn about the second coming of Christ is Jesus will not come back alone. Oh, I love that. See, the devil beat up on him all by himself. Jesus stood there and took it on the cross by himself. The father hid himself. Angels wanted to go down. They looked at each other and said, listen, if you send me right now, father, I'll be down there in less than a millisecond at his side and I can handle that old devil. And God says, nah, you can't. He's got to do this thing on his own now. But how many know when he comes back the next time? Come on, say amen. Hey, look, I, hey, I remember, I, I remember I was in school in Washington, D.C., and every now and then there was another school that we were, a private school, we would walk to the others, we would walk from one campus to the next, and there was a school that would hop off the bus, and they would come and jump us. 
And I remember one day after we had gotten beat up so many times. Come on, say amen, somebody. And they always, when you get jumped, how many know, they, they don't never, it's not one group jumps another group. The reason why they call it getting jumped is because it's, it's like 50 on one. Come on, say amen. But how many know when Jesus Christ comes back, it's going to be a jump? Say amen this time. Jesus said, I ain't coming back by myself. He says, I'm coming back with thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. The Bible says the holy angels with them. Then he will sit on the throne of his glory and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect, those that are in relationship with him from the four winds or from all over the earth, from one end of heaven to the other. God have mercy. These little artists try to do what they can. But how many know we can't even imagine what that thing is going to look like when Jesus Christ in all of his glory comes back? God have mercy. And then the Bible says it's going to be an audible event. This is why I'm telling folk who have problems with noise in church, you ain't going to be able to stand the coming of Christ. Because when Jesus Christ comes back, it's going to be noisy. Come on in here, somebody. Ah, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Thank you, Jesus. And with the voice of the archangel, the actual Greek word for shout there is the word megaphone. In other words, it's like megaphone. In other words, when Jesus comes back, the shout is going to be so loud that it's going to be simulcast. Everybody will hear it in every language and in every, every dialect all over the world at the same time, if they're sleeping, if they're dead, when Jesus speaks, everyone will hear it. <laughs> and with the trumpet of God, and the Bible says that the boom in his voice is going to be so powerful and so familiar to people that have heard him, even though they're dead in the grave. When Jesus speaks, Lord have mercy. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. Oh, bless your heart, brothers and sisters. The Bible says folks are going to pop out of their graves. Oh, your mama, if she lived right, will come up. Come on, say Amen. Oh, if you're not able to make it to the end of time and somehow fall asleep in jail, come out! The sound of his voice. And every eye will see him. The next thing we'll discover is that the righteous living, those that are alive, the Bible says, and remain, will be caught up to meet Jesus. So understand now, those that are dead, they will hear, and they are in Christ. They will hear his voice and they will respond. And those of us that are alive and beholding his glory, the Bible says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So, so watch this thing now. And I mean, I don't know if a movie can fix it up. I, I mean, I wish there was some screenwriter that could just give us a similitude of what it might look like. But Jesus is going to shout with the voice of the archangel and people that know his voice that are sleeping dead in their graves will hear him and they will burst forth. And I've often wondered, what about folk that have been cremated and their ashes have been spread? What about slaves that were thrown out in the Indian? Oh, how will it be? Doesn't matter. No matter if their body part is in Africa and their ankle is somewhere in Antarctica. When God speaks... The Bible says that their body parts will come together. The ashes will be formed together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. If he speaks, it will happen. All of the saved will be changed. Glory. 
Oh, I don't know about how many want to change up in here. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How many want to change? I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I'm sorry, y'all. I just got to fall. I'm so tired of this world. I'm tired of the mess that's going on. Always or never a, never a sleeping moment when the devil doesn't bother us. There's always something. But bless your heart when Jesus comes. Thank you, Jesus. Bible says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall all be changed. Oh, come on, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. Come on in here. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed for this corruptible, this, yeah, this, this, this body of ours. Come on, say amen. Cellulite don't go. Come on in here. Wrinkles are gonna go. Come on in here, somebody. Love handles are gone. Cataracts are gone. Cancer gone. He's gonna speak it. Lord have mercy. New bodies. Lord have mercy. New minds. And the Bible says Philippians three twenty. We look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says who shall change our vile body. How many know we are sinful from the crown of our head? To the sole of our feet. But how many know when Jesus Christ comes back, we shall be changed. Lord have mercy. Bible says that it may be fashioned like unto a glorious body. The Bible says there'll be a great earthquake. Come on in here, somebody. We're almost done tonight. There'll be a great earthquake. You know, see, listen, man. When, when power shows up, power must respect power. <laughs> and so, listen, man. You know, it's... it's as, as jacked up as this world is, I mean, look, the seasons are, are even, they have forgotten what they're supposed to do in Cleveland. Why is it this warm? <laughs> come on in here, somebody. Man, come on, you got to be saying to yourself, this is amazing. Huh? I mean, you can, you can call it L, what is it called? L, L, El Nino or whatever it is, can I tell you? The Bible says that in the last days we won't even understand the seasons. The world is going to act funny. The, the, the seasons will change and in ordinate times there'll be earthquakes and, and pestilence. But, but notice this, as crazy as the world acts in terms of the violence of waves and tornadoes and hurricanes, when Jesus Christ comes back, the earthquake is simply a response to the power of God. The Bible says when he shows up, the earth will shake. Heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, the word of God says. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the mighty men hid themselves in dens and in the rocks of the mountains. I don't know about you, but I don't want to hide on that day. I don't want to be hiding from the face of him that died for my sins. I want to see him and cry out, Lotus is my God. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, Lord have mercy. Hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. See, that's the important part that we need to uh, take a look here. One of the most intimate, if I were to ask you to turn to your neighbor and just look at them in the face, you get uncomfortable. Except folk that have been married for like 30 years, you know. You know, even some of them be uncomfortable for them. Come on, say amen. But one of the most uncomfortable things is just look at somebody in the face. Come on, say amen. Now, now he said, you're uncomfortable already. Hey. But, 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 but especially when you've done somebody wrong. Has anybody ever done you wrong and they could not look you in the eye? Do, do you know what I'm talking about? 
You see, it is a moment of intimacy. And see, in the last days, when Jesus Christ comes back, nobody that has not been in relate, that is not ready for him, will be able to look at his face. The, the face of love, the face of compassion, the face that was patient with them after situation over and over and over again. That face that was there with them through cancer, there with them through divorce, there with them through their, through their mess. And they're saying, I can't look at him. I know that it's nobody's fault. I can't look at him. Wow. <laughs> For the great day of his wrath is come. And who's Lord have mercy? Who shall be able to stand? How many know we're not going to be able to stand without his grace? Bible says in Revelation 16, 18, and there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as has not occurred since men were on the earth. Are you hearing me, brothers and sisters? How do we get ready? How do we get ready? How do we? How are we to be ready when he comes? I want to just show you a quick story real quick. I'm going to flash through this stuff. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you can get there. Get to that last slide. There's a, there are two black slides where it says C.S. Lewis. Get to there. Understand this, brothers and sisters, as we close this thing tonight. Come on, Michelle. I mean, let me tell you something. This message is not meant to scare anybody. <laughs> this message is simply to tell you that the person who has been in your corner all your life, that has been with you through every situation that has that even now the who is who is giving you the ability to breathe how is it that you're still alive after those near-death experiences why is it that you're even in church tonight and you know you're not even worthy to be near God why is it that you even have a mind to talk to God a mind to pray why is it that you're even concerned because God's been there Oh, come on and hear somebody. I mean, one thing, I don't know what your story is. I don't know what, what your religion is. All I can tell you is one thing you got to agree with me on is that God has been good. And we are not talking about getting ready for somebody that has been mistreating us. We're not talking about getting ready for somebody who, 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 who has not been there for us. But we're talking about getting ready. For the lover of our soul. Every time we called him, he's been there. Come on in here, somebody. Even when we didn't call on him, he was there. And some of you may say, God wasn't there for me. He wasn't there when, when that loved one of mine lost their life or took their life or, or when I went through that terrible experience. But can I tell you something? The only reason why you're still here, the only reason why you still have your mind, the only reason why you hadn't killed yourself, the only reason why you hadn't given up is because God was there. I don't know how to paint this thing, but the way that we get ready for his coming is to receive him now before he comes back in clouds let him come first in your heart I'm not talking about church stuff I'm not talking I'm gonna start coming to church pastor no we're talking about accepting the lover of your soul the God that has been there for you the God that has kept you the God that has blessed you the God that has saved you 
the God that has been merciful to you. We're saying receive him. The Bible says he's coming back with wrath. And there are many of us here tonight that are running from God. Do not run from your Savior. Do not run from your help. I'm a living witness tonight. I'm a living witness tonight. Hallelujah. I have done stuff that I'm ashamed of. But I'm telling you tonight that I serve a God that does not seek to condemn. He does not seek to drive us down and to put his foot on us. But he's trying to lift us up. His mercy endures forever. I'm pleading with somebody's soul tonight. Listen to this. Listen to this. C.S. Lewis, famous Christian writer, said this. Satan told his angels to come up with a strategy for getting souls to reject God and his plan of salvation. The first demons said this. They said, let's tell people there is no God. Satan said, no. No one, be no one will believe this people. They will, ain't nobody going to believe there ain't no God. Come on in here, somebody. No matter how much hell you've been through, people know that there is a God. Come on, say amen. And I've seen this. I've seen people call themselves atheists. They get in trouble. They're on their deathbed. And they say, pray for me. One of the things about atheism is simply the idea that I don't know who he is. Not that he doesn't exist. Then another demon said, I got it. Let's tell all the people there's no judgment and no hell. Satan responded and said, they won't believe that either. The third demon said, let's just tell them there's no hurry. Satan smiled and said, go, and you will ruin millions. Titus tells us looking for the blessed hope. It's a hope and the glorious appearing of our, of our of my, of your, your God. Oh, is he your God tonight? And your Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. Father, I believe that there's somebody here tonight as we close this service who just needs to come to God. Before you come back, we need to come to you. So I'm going to make this easy, Father. I'm going to let your spirit have his way. Here's the, here's the appeal that God is saying. There's somebody here tonight. It's not not there, there, there's somebody. You're here tonight. And you're running from God. But you don't realize that in running from God, you're running straight into destruction. And you're not smart enough to get yourself out of it. You've been doing that and it hasn't been working. And God, through a series of events, over and over and over again, has been trying to get your attention. But you've been walking away. You've been ignoring him. You've been saying, not now. I'm not ready. But can I tell you something, my friend? You can't get ready on your own. 
The Bible says, come to him as you are. Come to him in the wrong relationship. Come to him on drugs. Come to him prostituting yourself. Come to him with your anger. Come to him with your pain. Come to him with your sin. You cannot fix yourself. The other day, I had some trouble with my car. <laughs> I did what I could to try to fix it. And how many know that thing just kept acting up? And acting up. And acting up. And then it finally hit me. Why am I trying to fix my car before I take it to the shop? I had already made up in my mind I was taking it to the shop, but I was too busy trying to take shortcuts because I didn't want it to cost me anything. And so many of us out here just need to straight take our lives to Jesus. Raggedy, toe up, messed up. And you, the problem is, though, you, you don't want it to cost you anything. You don't want to give up anything. You don't want to surrender some stuff. But I'm telling you now, whatever you're holding on to against Jesus is going to kill you. Tell God, yes, choose him today. If you're here. I want you to just get out of your seat and come down here right now. If you're here, whoever you are, I don't care who you are, if you know right now, you need to let him into your heart. Tonight is your night. Tonight is your night. I know that you're here tonight. Well, I prayed for you this morning.